we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. My mother and father had wound up getting a divorce, wound up living in a one-bedroom apartment with my grandmother, my mother, and all five of us. And mm -hmm. it's so powerful because, you know, and then I got to say this, we went to a private school. Wow. And nobody in our private school knew that for, for a year, we didn't have lights, we didn't have gas, we didn't have a phone, but we had hope. Woo, come on somebody. See, wow. hope is important, man. Hope is being able to see past the day. And so my parents did a wonderful job, man. We lived in poverty, but they never allowed poverty to live in us. I, I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. But David E. Simons, yeah. Welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I'm honored and delighted and my excited is excited to have today's guest on. So we have Ken Brown, inspirational speaker, business coach, author, and entrepreneur on the show today. And let me tell you a little about Ken because everybody has a story to tell, right? However, few people have been profound enough to go through the story that Mr. Ken Brown has. He's had every excuse to choose a life of failure at age uh, at the age of 13 and 14, Ken's parents brought their first child into the world. By 17 and 18, they were mother and father to five children. In spite of poverty and a trail of 10 evictions, Ken's parents still emphasized the importance of education and strong work ethic. After starting his journey in less than ideal circumstances, this Chicago native worked his way through Southern Illinois University as a busboy and waiter. Once he graduated, he maintained his focus as well as his hunger for excellence, which has paid off in monumental personal and professional opportunities. As one of the youngest African-American owners and operators of McDonald's franchise, Ken's light has shone brightly in the arena of entrepreneurial accomplishment. Ken's favorite mantra is life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. It epitomizes his modern day rags to riches story which has inspired and motivated others to live out their dreams i want to just say to y'all uh from a personal bio from from me to ken uh he's a tremendous brother like uh you know sometimes you meet people behind the scenes in front of the scenes and they could be different different characters he's the same character same person the genuine heart he has a servant's heart he has a servant's mind He's always there to serve people, and I think that's what's made him successful. He's always um, just genuine and kind and, and true. He's also hilarious, as you'll learn uh, today. But uh, I'm tr it's truly an honor to have Ken on the show, someone I admire, respect highly, greatly, and uh, he's doing it in many ways uh, as a husband, as a father, as a businessman, as a man of God in every area. So, mm -hmm. Ken, welcome to the show, my brother. Thank you so much for being on. Wow, Dave, that's powerful, man. That is so rich, man. I, I would write that down. I love that. You said I got you excited, excited. That is profound, man. <laughs> profound. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm delighted and honored, man. Um, 
Kingdom social media, man. I love it, bro. Anything Kingdom, brother. Anything Kingdom. Hey. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. So, can't take we. I know I took the listeners a little bit into your story, but can you walk us through? I know, I know, it's been a journey, but walk us through for people that don't know the, the story as as much uh, if you could. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks a lot for the opportunity, man. You know, my my goal, man, my hopes is that uh, people will be empowered and inspired. That that's my, you know, I don't know of you, Dave, but I think everyone who's in the realm of my my fear, my listening and seeing, hearing and seeing, you know, you know, Nietzsche once said, "When you know the why, you can endure anyhow." Woo! Come on, somebody! I can't (laughs) pick this up, David. Nietzsche said that. Not Kim Brown. Nietzsche said, "When you know the why, you can do it anyhow." And that's kind of where my story starts. The why, you know, Mm. Um, you you said it so eloquently in the bio, man. Um, Born into poverty, Chicago, Illinois. My mother and father were thirteen to fourteen when they first started having babies. Now I gotta stop there because that's very important. I'm not saying that to get sympathy. Don't feel sorry for me. No, absolutely, unequivocally not. That is there for us by design as motivation for anyone who's listening and hearing this. If you want to own your business, if you want to get married, if you want to become a millionaire, but I'm loving it. So, <laughs> that's powerful. Think about it though. So it's that that's the motivation. See, poverty and adversity, it didn't get me disappointed, it didn't get me scared, it motivated me. See, motivation means reason to move. So, uh, and so that motivated me. And so, you know, it was so interesting how growing up 13 and 14, now to be totally transparent with you, the world, the odds, teachers, family, and some friends had told us that we would not amount to anything because of our environment. And it's so interesting. My parents had 13 and 14. They were only 13 to 14. They didn't have a lot of experience, brother, but they had tons of wisdom. Woo, come on, somebody. And you know what? You know where it came from? Wisdom come from above. They didn't come, they didn't have education. They had wisdom because they always taught us that um, my father was so powerful, powerful brother. He said, Ken, he said, you will not be a victim of your circumstances, of your environment. He said, but, ooh, I love some but. See, but me ain't over, David. He said, but you will. He was very intentional. My father taught me, my mother taught me faith. My father taught me how to be intentional. He said, you will make sure that your your environment becomes a product of you. Mm. I got to say that again for you. He said, you will not become a product of your environment, but your product will become a product of, your, your environment will become a product of you. With that and that right there, See, most things are not taught, they're caught. That right there taught me that that it was my responsibility to really to know the whole moniker, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you choose to respond to it. That's my story. David, life had dealt me a hand. Born to teenage parents, on our journey, we were evicted 10 times. 10 times. When I was in high school, we were evicted every uh, every year we were evicted, sometimes twice in the year, but we kept focus. We kept the faith and we kept hope. Um, and we were able to overcome those, those circumstances. Um, and so I, you know, we grew up and my father was a, my father had to get a job. So my father got into the restaurant business. He was a chef, um, by trade. And so I, Got into the business by accident because of that. Because, you know, I'm going to see my father, going to work with my father, going into the kitchen, feeling that energy. Um, and then it's interesting because I wanted to really recession-proof my life, David. I wanted to do something um, that I can go anywhere on the globe and I can do. And so because my father 
was in the food service industry. And then my grandmother was to his mother, got him a job at the higher corporation. And she sat me down one day and told me, she said, grandson, she, she, her knees were very bad because I don't know if you know, but no, the restaurant business is very labor intensive. You know, right. you got to have a sense of urgency. You got to be, you know, you stay on feet for 10, 12 hours a day. And my grandmother had did that for years and years and years. And when she found out that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to get into the business, she gave me some advice. She said, baby, she, as she sat there rubbing her knee, said, baby, I want you to, I know that you really want to go into this industry. She said, but I want you to do something for granny. So I want you, don't use your body. I want you to use your mind. Mm. That was powerful. Wow. And so that's where the journey began for me is that I did. My, my mother and father also told me something growing up. They said that it was so interesting. I can remember like it was yesterday. Then they 13 and 14 having babies and they had the audacity. Woo, come on, somebody love audacity. Remember Obama had that that, word, that, um, that book called The Audacity of Hope? We right. had that. My mother and father taught us, they said, when you become 16 years old, follow me, or 17 years old, they said, either you going to college or you getting out of our house. That's profound. You see, some people with limited thinking would say that was child abuse. No, no, no. Boy, they set us on fire. And what they did was, in all transparency, they set a bar on our life. Wow. It set a bar. Now, right, you it set a bar. Yeah. And yeah. all five, now listen, mother, father, 13 to 14, no education. All five of us went to college. Three out of five got master degrees. And I got a PhD. Woo, come on, somebody, what you doing? You got a PhD, what you PhD doing? I got a PhD in business from McDonald's. And so that's a powerful, powerful story. So I wanted to start there because I don't even wow. feel, well, wow, vast to riches. No, I would not change anything because um, I believe this, David, that your life is a garden and you're the gardener. I'm going to say that again for you. Your life is the garden and you're the gardener. And, and it comes to parent and environment. My parents were very, very intentional about making sure that they could not give us a lot of substance. Even though my mother struggled, but she always gave us stuff that we probably shouldn't have had because she probably felt guilty. You agree? You know mm -hmm. it's all right. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. But, but it was so powerful because what that taught, you know, that, that taught us hard work, dedication, commitment sacrifice so that environment was so rich that we but they they didn't give us a lot but they put a lot of stuff into us Does that makes sense and so we were able to overcome those obstacles man and um we all went to college i went i never forget um i wanted to major in hotel restaurant management and i wound up finding about uh southern illinois university carbondale which was far enough it was 500 miles away from Chicago, and it was in a tri-state area. So it bordered Illinois, Illinois, Tennessee, and um, Missouri. So I was able to get far away from my hometown so I could get financing. Come on, somebody. In-state. Mm. So I was in-state at the tip. And so I needed to get away because at the time when we, when we, um, when I went to, when I matriculated to go to college, um, we lived in a one-bedroom apartment. My mother and father had wound up getting a divorce, wound up living in a one-bedroom apartment with my grandmother, my mother, and all five of us. And mm -hmm. it's so powerful because, you no. Know, and then I got to say this, we went to a private school. Wow. And nobody in our private school knew that for, for a year, we didn't have lights, we didn't have gas, we didn't have a phone, but we had hope. Woo, come on, somebody. See, wow. hope is important, man. Hope is being able to see past the day. 
And so my parents did a wonderful job, man. We lived in poverty, but they never allowed poverty to live in us. Man, you got to write that down, somebody. That's good. That is. That's why I can't make this up, David. So we lived in poverty, our environment. Right, because right. your invite, you know, where you live is predicated upon your income and your with your resources. But life is an inside job. See, That's right. they gave us a wealthy mindset. They gave us a vision. They gave us purpose. Because they were passionate, we inherited passion. And the greatest gift they gave us, Davis, was the gift of faith. Woo! I'm a man of faith, man. I believe that all things are possible. Oh, come right. on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So go. I can go on and on, but that's my story, man. Born in humble beginnings um, from Chicago and wound up going to college to major in hotel restaurant management. And um, mm-hmm. just an amazing, amazing journey that I wouldn't change. Wow. Wow. I love that. I love that, Ken. And, and you, you, wow. It's just, it's just the, the lessons your parents instilled into you. It, obviously, it lives in you and strong. And it's, it's like, a, it's like, it's like a guiding force. It sounds like it's been for you. And, and can you tell, talk to us about like now, now you're in college, right? You, 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 you get to college and you're away from home and now you got to kind of make a name for yourself build. I know you've always had the dream of, you know, building the hot dog stand and, and all of that, all of that. So talk, take us through college all the way uh, into the business world. That's powerful. Great question. So let me digress. So in Chicago, being from Chicago, um, I was exposed. Exposure is, is powerful. Exposure. Told you environment and exposure. Environment first, then exposure. So my my parents did a really good job of exposing us to different things. Classical music, different cultures. Tra- my father traveled, so we traveled. And so, but food service, when it comes to my vocation. And I love vocation. See, vocation is not a job. Vocation is a calling. If you say the word vocation, vocation means calling. Woo, come on, somebody. Call back now. So my vocation I chose was food service. But I was very intentional and particular. I didn't just want to major in food service. I wanted to own my own business. And it was called Ken's Hot Dog Stands. Why? Because in Chicago, hot dogs were very, very big. It was these place place down uh, near downtown and sometime on the south side called Maxwell Street and they had these all shops and markets like not not flea market but it was actually storefronts and on the opposite side of it it had these um huge they weren't food trucks they didn't they weren't mobile but they were actual physical plants but they were small footprint very and I'm back then I'm still I don't know why I get it from I have this this uh, business mindset I'm looking at their overhead, the small footprint. It had grills and hoods and fryers, but it was just enough space to operate. And I see these lines of people waiting and waiting for these hot dogs. So I said, I'm going to open up um, Ken's Hot Dog Stands. And that's powerful because most people have a dream and a vision, but they never give it a name. That's right. See, a vision is powerful, dream is powerful, but the mm-hmm. power like that coming at a time. When you call it, and I called it, I called it Ken's Hot Dog Stand. So everybody who came into my sphere of influence, I told them, I'm gonna open Ken's Hot Dog Stands. I'm gonna open Ken's Hot Dog Stands. And so I went to college intentionally. I went to college not to get a degree, I went to college to learn how I can get the time, tools, and training to open Ken's Hot Dog Stands. Come on, somebody. Here, and here so, we go. <laughs> and I, and I went there, and I went to college, and um, I wasn't a good student at all. I ain't gonna lie; I was probably a C student at best. But I've always been focused, Dave. Mm. So about, I wasn't really a good student. So I never forget. Um, to be honest, since you asked me the question, be totally transparent, um, and I don't share this a lot, but I'll be honest with you. 
I to, when I got accepted into SIU Carbondale, I got accepted under special admissions. Mm. Because my grades wasn't that good, but I had a desire. Woo! Come mm. on, somebody. I there believe this too. Your desire has to outweigh your 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 will. That makes mm. sense? Your mm. desire has to. And so, mm. uh, no, yeah, and so I really decided to, okay, so I never forget, um, I wrote a handwritten letter to SIU Carbondale. I said, my name is Kenneth Brown. This is not a true indication of my the potential. True story. I said, here's my grades, here's my transcripts, and I sent it in. And they sent me a letter back and said that I was accepted into SIU Carbondale under special admissions. It was 25,000 students in that college, but nobody knew I was under special admissions for me. I just wanted to be in that environment. And so I had a buddy of mine who went to, who went to high school with me. He was very, very, um, he didn't have to study. He was very cerebral. Mark, Mark Burrell, my best friend, right about my book. And so we, we, we created a pact and a covenant like David and Jonathan. Yeah. So I said, Mark, um, you are very proficient in this thing called education. Because Mark, would, he can go party. He can go to a kegger, keg party. He can drink. Mm-hmm. And we have a, a final ne- the next day. He didn't have to study. And he would, <laughs> next, he would crush a day. Wow. <laughs> yes. He'd write a paper. He knew rhythm. Oh, man, he was, he was a very cerebral guy. I mm-hmm. was. I had a little swag. I was sociable. <laughs> so we made a covenant. We did, Dave. We made a covenant. Yeah. I said, you help me get through school and i'll help you garner some swag just roll with there we go <laughs> Sorry. that was my it. first that was my first strategic partnership Woo, come hey. on, <laughs> i love it it was i can't make this up Dave. and so mm-hmm. I, I let him roll with me when he rolled with me he got influenced and got swag right because the law of association says you become the top five people you surround yourself with Woo, that's right come on, somebody that's right so by that's me right. hanging out with mark i got a little more Proficient in studying that habits, hanging out mm. with me, he got a little more swagalicious. So it was a weird, weird proposition. And so um, went through and got off academic probation quickly, first semester. Then I got, I got so focused that, that kind of ignited something in me. I said, "Damn, I can't do this if I focus." So I wind up um, uh, fast forward. I um, I joined the fraternity, and um, and then my fraternity brothers told me had on campus interviews. Now, I'm first generation, so my parents couldn't coach me. So I had to go find coaches. You feeling me? Right. That's very important. See, people yeah. complain, well, I don't have a father. I don't have a mother. But I remember this song growing up I mean, on Sesame Street. Who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood, <laughs> the people that you meet walking up. That's so, that was so profound, brother. So mm. what that taught me is it don't matter what happened in your household. That's important. But if you don't have your household... You got to go outside and get it. So I did mm-hmm. that, and I surround myself with people who were smarter than me, who knew more than your fraternity brothers, and they told me, right. Ken, you know, you're serious about this food service thing. And so they said, you go, go do an on-campus interview. So I did an wow. on-campus interview, and they kind of coached me, told me to put on a, a dark suit, white shirt, a power tie, which is a red tie, make sure mm-hmm. my shoes were buffed. I didn't understand why, but I did it. David, mm-hmm. I had an on-campus interview with Aramark. Now, Aramark is is actually a leader in our industry, in the food service industry. And and so I made, I had a first interview, really, of, of a big interview, and I crushed it. Uh, the guy named Rick Webb, i never forget. Um, I was there per, I was there before he got there. It was raining that day. He was a little bit late. So then I got to command the interview. And Rick, when Rick came, when he got done with me, just telling my story, just telling my, my passion. And he shook my hand when he got done and said, 
I hope that the rest of my day goes as well as this one. And I walked out of there with a bit of confidence that I knew that I got the job. So I wound up getting getting the offer um, for $18,500. Man, I thought I was rich. I called my mother and said, yeah, I'm coming home. We rich. I'm about your house. Dave, you laugh, man, but I, 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 I did that for real. $18,500 wow. yes. in, in 88? I thought I was... Woo, that actually is a lot of money, though, and, and, and if you look at the inflation and all that, right? That, yeah, I mean, it's out of college. After college, yeah, that's, out that's of college, out of college. Yeah. In my own, in my, I, I was one of the few people, not bragging, but I was one of the few people who I, I've actually matriculated in the discipline in which I chose. I got a job mm -hmm. in it, so right. I went to school for hotel restaurant management and got a job in that industry. And right. it's interesting. Life is ten percent what happens to you, nine percent how you choose to respond to it. So after right. that, that that um, that high, I get the job, and I, I never forget. My first assignment was National Lewis University, which it was a, a college, and it was a college that was in right down the street from uh, Northwestern University in Evanston, beautiful okay. campus. And I was the assistant food service director. I had my own desk, had my really? name on it. Oh my goodness, man, it was powerful. And I said yeah. I had made, I thought I had made it. And after six months, um, I never forget going to work one day and Mary, Mary, I was the assistant director and Mary was my director. And Mary called me into my office. She came in my office and sat down and said, Ken, we got to let you go. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm getting promoted. Where am I going? I'm doing it. Never get written up. No competition. So he said, we got to let you go. I'm like, where am I going? She said, you're fired. What? I was devastated, David. Oh, I cried like goodness. a baby. I locked myself in my apartment mm. for about three weeks, man. And I just was devastated because as a young African-American young man, first generation, I felt like I was a failure. Believe it or not, mm. I really did. And um, so I locked myself in there, man. And, and so so after doing going, and I, you know what? Then I got kind of mad because I said, my parents lied to me. They told me, and the world lied to me. They told me, go to college, you'll pick a discipline, you know, do the right thing, go to school, get an education, get a job, and you made it. I checked every box off. Then I get there after six months, she fired me. And let me say this to you. I'm looking for Mary. So, see, don't be conformed <laughs> by the patterns of this world. Dave, I'm telling you, look, don't be conformed by the patterns of this world, but be be transformed by the new to your mind. I had to change my mindset. That's why I'm looking for Mary, because I got something for her. Yeah, because Mary really helped propel me into my purpose wow did that make sense yes because like everybody else i was going for the 40 40 plan 40 hours 40 years for a 401k Woo! come on somebody yeah thank god see the bible says many other plans on a man's heart but it's the lord's purpose will prevail i had a purpose but God's purpose trumped my purpose. And Mary had to do what she did because knowing my DNA, knowing my mindset, knowing my personality, I wanted to go in there and dominate, climb the corporate ladder, yada, 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 after I got in there. But God had something bigger and better in store for me. And that's so interesting because I never forget, um, when, we, when, we, when, we, when we used to get evicted, my mom used to always tell us, God got something bigger and better in store for us. And we would get these new houses. We wouldn't stay there long, David. But every time, they were always bigger and better. Oh, my God. That. <laughs> that's how I wow. got there. That's how I got there, man. So pretty exciting stuff, wow. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man.
so so how do we get from from there you're now getting launched into your purpose mary is the catalyst okay you had wow. this dream this vision to build this hot dog stand and be in the restaurant business and own your own thing and uh how do we move and transition now to get into the the franchising world and all that how does that how does that happen perfect that's a great question great question so after mary i had one of my fraternity brothers sean moore i'll call him out he that's why it's important to have people around you that is going to hold you accountable and see right. most people they have fans around them but i have true friends and i only have a couple and what thing about fans is fans sit back and they that a boy they applaud you they let they right. you off the hook but friends don't true friends don't mm -hmm. he allowed me to get he gave my space for a few weeks and back then we had an answer machine so i would let it just go to the answer machine literally i wasn't washing up i wasn't bathing i was like dark in the house spread eagle praying to the lord why my god my god why have you forsaken me real talk <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm serious, yeah. seriously. And yeah. then, but and then I would get up sometime and listen to the voicemails. My mother would call, my girlfriend would call, my boy, and I would. So my boy calls it Ken. I'm coming over to get you Friday. Get wow. suited and booted, suited and booted like we taught you. We're going to an interview, and I'm I'm obedient. I was. I went there begrudgingly and went to a went. To, we went to a um. We went to a minority job fair, and we went there and. Uh, it was just, it was refreshing. So we saw all these companies and I saw Wendy's. Now I didn't have respect for fast food. I wanted to own King's Hot Dog Stands. Mm -hmm. So I went there just for shits and grins, I could say that, right? right. And I gave my yeah. resume. Mm -hmm. And they, they took my resume and then the next step was if your resume was robust and it had the right components, they took you to phase two. So they took me, they took me behind a curtain and then they, they interviewed me. Then they took me into an office. And they said, hey, we want to make you an offer right there on the spot. And now, remember, Mary had, I got matriculated, got recruited six months. I was making $18,500. They paid me $25,000. I got fired and got a raise. Come on, somebody. What? Can't make this up. See, any other plans of the man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Woo! Come on, somebody. And so, yes. um, that that fueled me. That gave me hope. So right. then I made a decision. I said that that's when I became an entrepreneur. I'm gonna say that again for you. That's when I became an entrepreneur. And it was funny because I was already a new entrepreneur in my mind, but then that really cemented it because I said I'll never work another job a day in my life mm. because a job you work dollar you exchange dollar for hours. I said that's what right. I'll do is. I'll do paid internships. I coined this phrase called paid internships. I said, hey. well, everybody, my father always taught me growing up that the masses are the asses. That everybody mm -hmm. else go to work, change dollars for hours, 40 hours, 40 is 401k, but not mm -hmm. me. I still went to the same space as them, but mentally, I went there to learn, earn, so I can move on. Woo! Come go. on, somebody. I went That's there just good. to leverage and take full advantage of the opportunity growing up. I was taught in my environment that you never ever take a person, place, a thing. No, no, take take full advantage of every person, place, a thing that you come in contact with. Now that's mm. bi diabolically opposed to what the world teaches us. My parents okay. taught us this. I'm gonna say it. They said, not don't can. They said, your job, your assignment, 
is to take full advantage mm. of every person and every opportunity you get, but never, ever, ever, ever take a person or opportunity for granted. Oh, mm. that was rich. Mm. That was That's nothing cool. right there. So that was the approach that I had with these quote unquote jobs. They wasn't jobs, they were paid internships. So I'm gonna go right. in, I'm gonna earn because I'm giving mm. time. But while right. I'm like I'm earning, I'm a I'm a learn. Woo, come on, somebody. That's yeah. called learning. There we go. Yeah, guess what I'm gonna do at the end, Dave? And then I'm gonna move on to something mm. bigger and better. So I strategically, Smart. I strategically started putting together my exit strategy, real talk. I had like a five-year exit strategy. I said, I'm going to go. I work with the Marriott Court. I work with, with Wendy's. I stayed there for six months at first. Wow. Stayed there. I learned. I earned. And then I moved on. And it was so interesting, Dave. Then I went to the Marriott. I learned. Wow. I earned and moved on. But when I took these opportunities, these jobs, paid internships, I didn't take them for money. I took them for, okay, what did I need to become an entrepreneur? What skill set, what mindset was I deficient in? And how can I, we call it partner for results. So yes. these big companies got all these resources. So I said, I don't have the resources, but I got a skill set. Woo, come on somebody. So if I take my skill set, plant my skill set around these resources, it's fair exchange, no robbery. Because when you work in a job or paid internship, that's why I always believe that you should always deliver more value than you get paid for. That's right. That's where I got that from because I would take these paid internships and I would hear everybody else complaining and murmuring about they didn't make enough money or this, but I was there. My energy was high because guess what? I was on purpose. I knew mm -hmm. that it was a, it was temporary. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because right. I had a goal in mind, kids, hot dog stands. There and so, um, and so I did that, man. And so I took the job at Wendy's. I learned, I, I learned about customer service. I mm. learned about leadership from the best. Mm -hmm. see, these, see, these major companies, man, I love franchise space because one thing about franchises, they're big on systems and processes. And I'm right. a big systems process guy because I ain't that smart. But you give me a system and a process, I'm killing it. I'm crushing it. And I love system. System means save yourself time, energy, and money. Woo, come go. on, somebody. Here we go. Dave, good. <laughs> I would go into these companies and unlike everybody else, I wouldn't focus on the politics. I wouldn't focus on the people. I would find mm. out, study the system. I would take mm. it home. I would go in on the weekends. I would learn it. And then I became a master of it. And then I became more proficient. And so then after I got what I needed, right, I would go, mm. I would go to HR, go to my boss and say, you know what, I got to move. I got to go. Where you going, Ken? And they always try to Give me more money, but it wasn't about the money at all. I wanted to go on. I was clear about what I wanted to do. So that was my paid, my, that's my chap, my life called paid internship. So I did that with Wendy's, with Aramark, uh, not, with Wendy's, with that, with um, a couple of entrepreneur companies, small companies. And then one day, uh, my wife and I, we um, didn't even have, we hadn't had our first child yet, but we had built, we had uh, purchased a condo, a townhouse. And we wanted to build our first house. And so we made a pact, said, okay, why don't we, in order to get the down payment, why don't we use our time? This is how we thought even young, man. Okay, mm. she was a school teacher. So on the, why don't you teach summer school? Because summer school, you make more money. And I said, mm. what I'll do is I'll go get a part-time job somewhere in the industry. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so I took, I, I never forget, I went one day, I'll get off my job and I went to a restaurant uh, cold calling. At that point in time, I was a food broker. Um, mm-hmm. I went to that because I, want, I wanted to become a subject matter expert. So I started taking paid internships from, we call it, we call it from farm to table. Come on, somebody, mm-hmm. farm to table. Yes. So when it comes yes. to the food service space, what I wanted to do, I wanted to personally become a subject matter expert from farm to table. So after I became a subject matter expert operationally, I used to know that when I was in the restaurant business, uh, as a manager, the people would come and take my order. And I used to like that job because they would come in, have a suit on and a briefcase and a computer, and then they would leave out, give me ideas. I said, I want to do that. So yeah. I talked to the rep and said, I want to do what you're doing. And it's, it's so funny, man. Looking back at it, he played it down, David. Oh, you don't want to mm. do this. You don't want to do this. No, I want to do this. Can I tell you, honestly, Dave, he would not give me the information to find out how to get the job. Guess what I did? I would get off work and I drive around, walk around downtown Chicago, and I would see the big old, the big old truck called Cisco. Cisco is a food mm-hmm. service company. And That's so right. I never forget, I see the guy bringing down the food. How you doing? So my name is Ken Brown. And I said, um, how do you work for Cisco? I'm doing my, I'm, I'm interviewing him. How long you work there? Is it a good company? Who do I call? Oh, here you go. Call. And I called the company. Cold call. <laughs> My name is Ken Brown. I said, and I want to work. I want to be a sales rep for your company. And I got an interview, bro. Got an interview from him. True story. Wow. That's how I got from operations. Then I became. I went to sales. Then I got a job in food service sales. Wow. And after becoming proficient in sales, I got recruited by a food broker. And that Tyson, Sara Lee, Quaker Nabisco, we represented all these companies. J.R. Simplot. So as a as a uh, as a broker. I got the opportunity to go to all of these manufacturers. I got to see where the French fries come from the ground, where the chicken, I mean, the whole uh, tour, plant tours. And so I kind of navigated my way through that. And one day I'm going to cold call on a restaurant and I had some samples in my bag and I was going home and I wanted to stop. And I stopped at this restaurant and I had samples. I never forget the guy named was Ted and I gave him the samples and he told me something that was so powerful. He said, Ken Brown, he said, I don't need samples. I don't need food. I need people. I'm opening up my new business, my new restaurant in, in yeah. two weeks. I don't have enough people. So I left the samples and left and went home. When I went home, and this is the power of, of association and having the right mm-hmm. people around you to speak life into you. Right. The Bible calls it iron sharp as iron. That's right. My wife said to me, she started to use my own stuff on me. I went home. How was your day, babe? I said, it was fine. I said, oh, I went to that beautiful restaurant and I'm telling her about the aesthetics. And I said, oh yeah, and the guy there, I said, I tried to give him some, tell him some food, but he told me he don't need food. He need people. She said, hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> she said, hey, cowboy. She's called me cowboy because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm happy. She said, um, aren't you going to open your own business one day? What about Ken's hot dog stands? And she said, you can't be what you can't see. She said, you should go help that guy out. Mm. That's pretty, that, that, right, that, wow. that one conversation right there, real, yeah. like Mary, that encounter, yeah. that conversation, mm. it was a game changer. Wow. I went over there. The Bible tells us to be truly, to be great, you must truly first serve others, right? That's right. Now, I went over there with my ego. How you doing, Ted? You need people. I can help you out. Okay, I can manage the place for you. Hold up, Ken. I don't need a manager. I need service. Service? Mm. Who are you talking to? You got me messed. I think it is. <laughs> I got a degree. I don't even think you're talking. You know, right, I'm right, right. 
Now this right. is my mindset. This man owned right. a business. I'm on. So, and he said, um, I need service. So I humbled myself and he gave me an opportunity to serve tables at his restaurant. As a matter of fact, true story, the restaurant was a, was a grand opening. And I never forget, as a, I had never served tables in my life before, David. Never, ever, ever, ever. And it was a white tablecloth Italian restaurant in the suburbs. And it was brand new. And I never forget the day we um, opened up. We had a service huddle. And they asked, okay, um, so who's going to wait on the first customer? We had a little drawing. And I picked the straw. And I, the first customer came in that door. I had the opportunity to serve them. Um, and I had to get them a big old bat, bottle of champagne. That was so powerful. I never forget that, man. Yeah. So I became a server. Um, right. I fell in love with it, Dave, because mm. I, I leveraged it again. So I could I didn't have the money to open Ken's hot dog stands, but here I am having an opportunity. See, I, you can't be what you can't see. I had the opportunity not to learn it from college, but firsthand from 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 the from conception, how to open and build and scale a restaurant. God had gave me that powerful opportunity, and I took full advantage of it so i would go there two or three days a week to serve tables but guess what i had access to ted the owner so when mm. things calm down i would always case ted out you know what case means it's when you find mm. somebody who two three steps ahead of you and you copy and steal everything from them <laughs> watching yeah. watching ted how he mm. dressed how he walked how he engaged the customers Right. And it's so funny now how I engage and how I dress in the business came from mm. Ted. I, wow. I can't make this up, Dave. Role model. And so mm. um, I would ask him, Ted, why did you pick these floors? Why did you pick that? And I'm going home. I would make notes. Fast forward. I thought I was going to do that just to get the money to build a house. We wound up building our house, but I kept the job because it was so fun and it was cash business. I was mm. making money every day because I was a, I was making two hundred dollars a day, three hundred dollars a day serving tables, cash money. Wow! I was proficient. That's really great. Because service is my gift, so mm. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. And, we're gonna come back to that. Yeah, yeah, powerful. And so, yeah. um, and so, lo, lo and behold, one day. Um, I noticed this couple who used to always come there every week on a date. And it was African-American. And it's one of the few African-Americans used to come to that restaurant because it was a hot white tablecloth restaurant. And um, back then, so, and it was in a, 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 a floor neighborhood. And so I'll never forget the husband used to come and they used to wait on me. They used to request me. Wow. And I don't care if it was a 45 minute wait, they would say, we want Ken. And I didn't mm. understand why, but Thinking back at it, he would ask me these questions. Ken, something different about you. And I would tell him, I'm not really a server. I said, I'm going to open up Ken's hot dog stands and I'm here so I can learn, earn to move on. So every week that he came to eat, he would ask me questions. Ken, how's Ken's hot dogs going? He would call Ken's hot dog stands the name. How's wow. it going? Where are you going to put it at? I had no idea, Dave. True story. Wow. And his wife used to sit there and she never said a word to me at all. Never, ever, ever. And fast forward, I saw a newspaper, the Chicago Tribune, and I used to, this hack I used to do as a as a, um, an entrepreneur. I would go and look in the Chicago Tribune, the, the, the Help Wanted ad back then. Before we had Indeed, we had the Help Wanted ad. So if you had a job, I would look in there. If I saw a restaurant, I would call the restaurant, and I would tell them to hire me as a consultant. Yeah. And so. When I looked at this, one day I looked at the Chicago Tribune and I saw an article from McDonald's. It said, come meet McDonald's 
it's a it's a um it's a come meet McDonald's uh, upper management. I tore the article out. And I called my partner up and said, hey, let's go to McDonald's and tell them to hire us as outside consultants. Now, I got to say this. We didn't have an EIN number. We didn't have an LLC. We didn't even have a business plan. But we had a made-up mind. And mm. I went to McDonald's, got suited and booted, went to McDonald's with a briefcase, Dave. The only thing I put in the briefcase was that article. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Dave, I didn't have nothing in that article. See, what I found in life, Dave, sometimes you got to faith it until you make it. Mm. I fake it. Too many people faking it. I, by faith, I knew that I had dedicated the time. I had mm-hmm. the education. I had the desire. I had developed the skill set. All I needed was the platform. Come on, somebody. An opportunity. And so yeah. so when I went to McDonald's, I went there suiting the booty and intentional. To tell them to hire my company that I really didn't have. Woo! Come on, somebody. <laughs> I love it. Dude, they, they, I don't think you're getting this, Dave. Dave, oh, I, didn't yeah, go, okay. I didn't go to your local drive-thru. Right. I had the audacity of hope like Obama. I mm. went to Ray Kroc Drive in mm. Oakland, Illinois, to tell them to hire my company and to help them improve the quality, service, and clinic. That was my intentions. And when wow. I got there, I never forget, I got there... And I got there, they welcomed me, and then they just said, right upstairs, sir. And I go up the escalator, and I started to see balloons. And that triggered something. I said, balloon? This is a business meeting. Like Jay-Z, I'm a businessman. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. yeah, I get there, and I saw balloons. And then some told me to stop and look at the... I opened my briefcase up, and the only thing I had in there, of course, was the article. And mm-hmm. it said, come meet McDonald's upper management at a job fair. They... I didn't see job fair on there. And I know because I know now looking back at it, if I would have saw a job fair, I would not have went. That's how mm-hmm. I know it was all God. Wow. See, you know, let, me, let me digress a little bit. Growing mm-hmm. up, we were evicted 10 times. We used to all, I noticed something. Every time we got evicted, it was we, we would lose our grade. We would lose clothes. We have to start all over again. But it was one thing we always kept, and I don't know how. It was a picture, and it was called God's footprints. And it talked about how the person was, the, the whole passage talks about, hey, God, you know what? Uh, I, I, I get into trouble. I get in despair. And then I, 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 you leave me, forsake me. And then God portion said, you know what? Look behind you. Look behind you. you won't, it's only one set of footprints. He said, I was always there with you. I was carrying you. Woo, come on, somebody. That was my life, bruh, is that, God was right there, man, because you can't, you can't make this up. That makes sense. And so yeah. um, um, that's how I got there. So I'm there at the job fair and um, opened a briefcase up and saw that. And so I pressed through it. So my mind, I said, you know what? I'm going to go in here. I'm going to fake the 50. I'm going to go to him so I can go because I don't need no job. I want an opportunity. And right. as we went through, I started to see all these tables. They had the marketing department. They had the real estate department. They had their construction department. And I started looking at them. And I said, McDonald's is a global company. I didn't know that before then. And yeah. then we got through the little the little display. And they asked us to go into an auditorium. And we got there and sat down there. I'm ready to go. I got what I needed. Assignment over. I knew my assignment. Right. And it was three people on the stage. Two Caucasian men and African-American lady. And a lady stood up. And you ever saw somebody and you you kind of know them, but you don't know them? Mm-hmm. That happened to me. That mm-hmm. Remember the Bible tells us, it says, be careful because you might be entertaining unaware angels unaware. Right. 
that so I get there and I saw the lady and I didn't know her. So fast forward, they got done and they wanted to have a receiving line. And so I got nervous because they said, wait a minute, I want to go and I got to contact them. And they had security there and everything because they had the CEO McDonald's there. And long story mm-hmm. short, the lady saw I had to go by and shake her hand. And they, when I grabbed when I grabbed her hand and shook her hand, she grabbed my hand. Then she grabbed the other one. She cuffed it. She said, "I know you." I said, "No, you don't." And I tried to leave. Mm. And she called over the CEO of McDonald's, Jack Greenberg, and all of his uh, his whole entourage. And she told him, she said, "This guy right here." She said, "She said, um, I've been watching him. Me and my husband going to this restaurant for the last few years, and we've seen this guy. He's took, he's took care of us." She said, "His passion is absolutely." off the charts. She said, his vision, he know what he wants to do. And the last thing she said, she said, we want everyone in McDonald's to, I want everyone in McDonald's to feel the way that I did. She did a commercial for me in front of the CEO of McDonald's. And I'm sitting there like, and I never forget this day, my big mouth being me, old Ken Brown fashion. I said, oh, thank you for the introduction. I said, but I didn't come here for a job. I said, I came here because um, I said, I have a company called Food Service Solutions. And I went to my whole LA pitch and they laughed. They laughed. They, the, the CEO laughed and said, you got a laugh one here, Edie. And she pulled me to the side, Dave, and gave me her card and said, Ken, you don't know me and I don't know you. She said, but I need you to trust me. She said, you could be where I'm at in five years. Mm. I said this. Guess what I said instinctively? Well, thank you again, man. But guess what? I don't want to be with you in five years. But I want to own my own. I'm call it right now. I can't make it up. And he, but that that was powerful for her because she said I was passionate. I knew what I wanted. And um she set up a meeting at our office the next week. Said, I want you to come to my office. Then I went to her meeting and sat in there. And she said, This is not an interview. She said, I'm the vice president here. She said, and I um, um, I want you, she said, I see something in you. And she said, so I want you to trust me. And dude, I had never worked behind the counter of a fast food my life before. She gave me an opportunity to uh, be the supervisor, a consultant, a consultant over five restaurants. I had 300 employees. Um, I think the, each, each, each store was doing like uh, almost like $1.5 million a year. And so instantly, instantly, I, was, I went from being a server to a consultant with, with McDonald's, dude. No background check, no nothing. And so it's so powerful. Remember, I talk, when I talk about you have, in yeah. order to get promoted, you got to be overqualified in your current position. Now, right. she had never talked to me, touched me. She saw me in action. I mm. said I wanted to own my business, but what she saw was I was minding my business. Mm. Come on, somebody. There we Did go. that make sense to you? Yep. yep. More people say they want to own their business, but she got a chance to see me taking care of this man's business. Because what I believe now was that Ted wasn't really the owner. I was the owner. Ted was just paying the bills. Woo, come on, somebody. Because <laughs> that's the difference in ownership and owning. He owned the debt. He owned the asset. But I was taking ownership, and she saw it. And wow. she told me, I need someone like you on my team. And put me in the game. She put me in the game, man. And I didn't know what I was doing, David. I didn't know what I was doing, but I would go to the office on Saturday morning while everybody was playing holidays, and I would study. I would study the system, study the numbers, study it, study it. And 
Next thing you know, man, my stores, each store, each, they had they had a they had a big meeting. Each store I had, all five stores, increased the quality, service, cleanliness, and profits. Matter of fact, I won awards, and then each store improved profits by one hundred and fifty thousand dollars each. Now, wow. I told you I got got a job from Airmark, right, making eighteen thousand. Yeah. Then right. Wendy's gave me twenty five thousand. Dude, she paid me eighty thousand dollars, David. Sheesh. $80,000. No background check, no reference check. Powerful, powerful story, isn't it? So that's how I got there. Whoa. So I became Whoa. a consultant first. And I did that. I did that. I was consulting for her, for those stores. And then in my mind, I was always going to leave and go do kids' hot dog stands. Right. She wound up getting promoted from Michigan, from Chicago to Michigan. And I get a call from her secretary. I want to say, Ken Edie wants to talk to you. And I like, I want to talk to her too because I was just working on my ethnic strategy. Mm-hmm. And I was going to let her know. Thank for the opportunity, but I'm going to do Ken's hot dog stands. I never forget, I was in my basement on the phone and I had her on speaker. And she said, Ken, um, I want to thank you. First of all, I'm very proud of you. She said, um, I took a risk with you and, um, and you nailed it. She said, you nailed it. She said, um, uh, you improved the quality, service, cleanliness, and profitability in all the stores. And she said, um, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to come down to Michigan. And I'm listening, but I'm not listening. Because I'm already checked out. I'm like, I know what I got to do. I'm, I'm, I'm working my plans of the God's plan. Come on, somebody. I'm working uh, my plans of the God's plan. Ooh. And she said, Ken, I want you to come here because now I'm now the vice president over the entire Michigan region. And Jeez. I'm putting together my high-performing team. And I want you. And I said, well, Edie, no disrespect, but I don't move for jobs. Woo. And she said, what did you say? I said, I don't move for jobs. She said, Ken, did I say job? She said, I, I watched you, how you took ownership of those five restaurants. And said, so she said, most people say they want to become an owner. She said, but you took ownership. She said, I'm talking about you. She said, when I first met you, you said you want to open your own business. I'm giving you the opportunity now. What? But ba 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 That's I when I started loving it. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> so, uh, true story. So, I had to... Um, Drive up to Michigan, from Chicago to Michigan. Drove up. I can't make this up, Dave. I had no CPA, no lawyer, no family, no friends. I drove up just blindly by faith. And my my, my book called Leap of Faith because of this. Drove up 94 by faith and went to their corporate offices, their their regional offices. And I got there. It was a beautiful, the most beautiful office I've ever seen with this beautiful oak table and the black chairs. And I walk in there and there's 12 people. This is the vice president, the president, the marketing chief. I mean, and me by myself. And Dave, they slid this packet to me about that thick. It was a franchise agreement. And all of them I said, Ken Brown, we had heard, we heard about you. I'm like, hurt? Dave, we didn't have Instagram, Facebook back then, bruh. Woo, come on, somebody. My right. father taught me something growing up. He said, Ken, he said, your actions should speak so loud that people can't hear a word that you say. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let that marinate. That's gangster. Yeah, that is. People talk too much. Mm-hmm. You got a PhD. What you PhD doing? Mm-hmm. And so she saw my fruit. She saw the Bible says too. You're a north tree by its fruit. She saw the fruits of it. I'm sitting there with these this McDonald's brass and me, born a teenage parents, evicted ten times. I'm sitting there with a franchise agreement, and I'm looking through it, Dave, faking the fifty. Didn't know what I was looking at all these words out thou R-O-O-R. And and they said, So, Mr. Brown, how does it look? I said, Well, I gotta let my lawyer look at it. 
I didn't have no lawyer, Dave. It just sounded good. And so I signed it right then. I signed it right then. And that's that day I became uh, that, that that see if you look at the history of McDonald's owners, it's it, it's a long process. You gotta go through so many loops, you gotta do favor ain't fair. True story. Let me make this up. <laughs> Amazing. Oh yeah. my god, so much. This is so rich. I just listeners, as you're hearing this, I'm sure there's just so much you can pick up from from Ken, the power of persistence, having a vision, serving people, taking ownership as if it's your own. He he treated like like all the dots connected and and literally if one dot didn't connect, it wouldn't happen, right? If you hadn't gone to the Cisco guy and and asked him for, you know, who is the person? Thank you, Dave. How's the person? Like like there's so much and, wow. and it goes back. So you take this back. I'm just, I'm like, your your life is a book, and 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 we'll we'll tell others, uh, we'll tell people to get your book too. But your life is a book because you you go back to the story of what your dad and your mom taught you. Yeah. Your mom taught you faith. Your wow. dad taught you intentionality. Wow. You use those principles of faith and intentionality to literally steer the course and direction of your life. Had you not been born in the way the circumstances you were born into. The, the faith and intentionality spirit may not have been as strong in you as it is. And, and that's what made you who you are today. And wow. it's these successes are a tribute to those principles that you learn from childhood. And uh, man, it's just, this is so phenomenal. I, you know, I've heard your story in other capacities, but this, this is, this is on another level. It, it, it hits and I know we're not even done. So Kent, I, I'm, I, we rarely do this, but we have to have a part two. Like there's so much that we have to we have to dig in. But I, what I want us to do for the rest of this interview is, and then we're gonna pick back up in the second part. But what I want us to do is take us back to the gift of service. Like you said, what's your most your, you said your most dominant gift is service. Take us back to how you identified that, when you identified that, and and that whole journey. That's a good question. Um, you know, most things not taught, they're caught environment i watched my mother growing up my mother and father once in all fairness my mother and father wound up getting divorced because 13 to 14 you know life had just happened to them and they, they took the best they took lemons and made lemonade but they actually grew apart and then after my mother and father grew apart i noticed that our lifestyle shifted drastically because my mother was a homemaker my father was a breadwinner he worked two jobs sometimes three to provide for us we built they built houses my father was a great provider and so once my mother and father got divorced my father had to go on with his life and so he had to still pay not child support he still had to provide for us but it was five of us they have us in private school but i watched how him and my mom served other people in the community my father was in politics. So my father, mm. my father and mother really got divorced because I never forget my mother. My father came one day and said, I'm, you know, not tired of working. He said, I want to talk. I can't make this up, Dave. My, I heard the count. My father said, I want to do something that's going to impact just not my children, but my children's children's children. I heard that mm. out of his mouth. Mm. He said, I feel like I want to do something bigger. She said, what? Mm. You providing for us the normal woman thing? Oh, you providing mm. for us? He said, no, I want to do something that's going to impact my ch our children's children's children. And mm. guess what he wanted? He went from being, he was a chef. He was an mm. executive chef for the University of Chicago. 
He wow. walked away from that and he went into public service. He ran for Alderman. He he ran for he he supported the people who ran for president back in the day. He went around the mm. country campaigning for them. So I and then I'm going with him on a road campaigning and service. So I got to see service. And then my mom, mm. my mom, my grandmother, they just they they actually had a spirit of services service and I caught it. So I wasn't no we didn't grow up seeing selfishness and look out for yourself. If you had we we grew up we grew up in this culture where as you give someone your last because God mm. is gonna supply. That kind of radical crazy faith. And that's yeah. where it was birthed at. So we wasn't grew up in a in, in an environment of fear and lack. It was hey if you give God gonna give it back to you press down shaking together running over. Come on somebody and that's so right. I took that and then once I got into the food service industry, it was game over because every day I woke up, every every day I woke up and I went to work, it wasn't about me, but it was up to me to provide service to people. And there was something about the feeling you get when someone says, thank you, the smile. And then, you know, in the food service industry, food is that, that equalizer. When that food come out, or people get that food, or a kid get that little that fresh fry. Oh, it's game over the smile. So it just got right. contagious, man. So it was so funny because my friends wanted to be doctors and lawyers, and they used to laugh at me for for, for what I did. But look Ooh. how it worked out. But up, 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 I ain't gonna lie because it ain't just glamorous job. Mm. And I love what the Bible says: to be truly great, you must first serve others. And, that, and my, 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 mm. it's so funny. My email has been the same since the internet. Servant, mm. and I'll get servant leader one is mine. Mm. Because now you talk about intentionality day, right. that shows you I'm serious about it. That mm. my email is is servant leader one because I True. I want to be great, not because of me, but I know that when I make other people better when I give up myself. It's wow. something that's enriching and fortifying about that. And to to, to be able to get paid for doing that. Yeah. Ooh, my goodness, game over, kiss the baby. I feel, babe, I feel sorry for other people, man, because my profession, I, I come home every day and I feel for fortified and, and, and rejuvenated because mm -hmm. I've given to other people. And that's mm -hmm. that powerful. So yeah, yeah, I take it very seriously, wow. man. And then I love wow. it because you can go anywhere on the globe, Dave, and people need three things to survive: food, water, and shelter. So that's right. And, with, with, with food comes service. So I recession right. proof my life, man. And so I thank God for it, man, because I know that is what I'm here to do is to serve his people. Woo, come on, somebody. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Ken, Ken, Ken. My goodness. You just blessed. I mean, I just, this such, so impactful, so impactful. Your journey really gives hope and, and inspires people. There's really no excuse for anyone, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And, and really, we all have... Um, as you talked about the ability to use our mind to get where we want to go, like you allowed your mindset to literally steer the course of your life. You didn't allow anything to stop you. So, like I said, this is going to be a we're not going to end our episode because we, we got a, we got another episode we have to do. But um, I'd like for you to share um, uh, of just, you know, your books and resources and any any place you want to direct people to where they can get learn more they've they're hearing this interview they're like man i i gotta learn more about ken i want to work with ken i want to you know find out some of the offerings he has 
what, what, what would you like to share in that aspect? Yeah, you know, and before I do that, I want to say, Dave, you know what, and I thank you because you've helped me because it's all has been intentional. Every step that I've done, but I guess, not I guess, but looking back at it, because life is live looking forward, but learn looking backwards, it was my obedience. Mm. I, I, that's the powerful thing about it is that my obedience, right. man, and my, and, and my, and, and me being a servant, I wasn't caught up with my ego. And guess, look mm. what happened. Every step, it, it might not have been perfect, but I had faith and I didn't give up hope. And guess mm. what? And I always say, you know, on the other side of pain is a promise. Mm. But mm. most people don't want to go through that pain. Everybody want to win. Everybody want that promise. And so I love adversity. I'm an adversity expert, man. I'm going to say that. Mm. I love it. And it might sound crazy, but I love it because guess what? By being an adversity expert, it takes the power off of me and put mm. I, I could put that demand on God's word and my faith. Mm. That makes sense? Mm. That makes power. perfect sense. So, um, yeah. and last thing that you talked about, you said everything I did, my, 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 my mind. That's yeah. why my handle is mind your business with Ken. Mind your business. Yeah. My everybody, everybody who listening, looking at this, that is the key to success. Don't look yeah. at everybody else. You mind your business. I love and Luke when when Jesus was he was going to the temple. He was see you got the synagogue and you got a temple. See one you go to pray, one you go to study and learn. When he was there, his parents were looking for him, and what did they say? They said, "Why are you looking for me?" I'm about my father's business. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. That's right. Oh, that is so rich, Dave. And so when I got that, Dave, it's intentional. Mm. So my, mm. my, my, on, on social media, it's Mind Your Business with Ken. Um, That's right. Um, and so my, my workshop seminars, Mind Your Business. I do leadership training, Mind Your mm -hmm. Business. But in, you can find out everything you want about me at uh, KenBrownInternational.com. Ken, I got training. I do leadership training. We do customer service training. I have, but, but my lion's share of my business now in this season is working with people who are getting into, going through, or want to exit franchises. I mm. am the franchise king. I can navigate. When you did business with McDonald's, there's no franchise that I cannot show you how to get into, get through, and exit. Um, I have three three award-winning books and resources on our website. Uh, a Leap of Faith, which is the story I just told, but it goes in really detail. I, my, one of my favorite, I love that book, but my favorite is Life. Life means live in freedom every day. Woo, come on, somebody. That's the goal for my life, Dave, is that I want to, at the end of my life, my dash, I want people to say that he showed me in word and deed how to be free. Mm. Not not salvation for that's that's God that's Jesus did that. I mean right. in this world, in, in right. mindset, your money. See if you get your mind, your money free, woo, it's game over, kiss the baby. So go to KimBrownInternational.com. That's how you can get to me any day, anyway. Um, yeah. but I thank you for this opportunity, Dave. We're gonna do part two, but yes. I didn't say at the end, dude. Guess what? When she she when she um made me the offer. She also connected me with a bank, a commercial lender, which mm. is bank, was called Free Bank of Boston, which is now Bank of America. Mm. And they sent me a letter. Oh, man. Save that. Don't, don't tell them. Let, let's give them a cliffhanger today. They're yeah. going to get that. We're going to pick right back they, up they, right they, there. They, they, to be continued on there, like on TV. To be continued. <laughs> Boston Bank. That, so so y'all going to get that next piece. So stay tuned for that, that part two. <sighs> Search all over the world, struggling to find it. Dear listener, 
I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album I poured my heart and soul into. It includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it, and I'd love to give that to you as a free gift, as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community. So to get your copy, all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com. That's podcast.david, the middle initial D, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.